Here's a quote. Uh, Alexander the Great, Julius the Caesar and the other Caesars, Charlemagne, and he said myself, this is Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, founded empires, but on what did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon sheer force. Jesus Christ alone founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men will die for him. In every other existence but that of Christ, how many imperfections. So, you know, what Bonaparte was saying was, you know, Jesus didn't build his kingdom on force uh, or coercion or manipulation or any of those things. It's all built on love. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And uh, love is a peculiar idea. You can watch a soap opera and you can see people that are in love until they have amnesia and then they forget. <laughs> you know, you could flip the channel and watch how people love their dogs and pay millions of dollars a year for the food and so forth and the grooming. Grooming costs more than a human haircut. Uh, you could say you love Pepsi and somebody says they love Coke and they get in a fight in the parking lot over it. Um, but the, the love that God has for us and the love that God has called us to, and in fact, the love that he's instilled into us uh, is such a powerful force. That's what Napoleon was saying. You know, Alexander came in and just, just wrecked havoc as did Napoleon, but Jesus comes in and he's so powerful that parents want to bring their kids so he'll pray over them. And the sick come and they say, man, do you think I could get a second chance in life? And, uh, you know, a guy with leprosy who is like a certifiable outcast, you know, banished from society, uh, if you will, you, you can make me whole. And he put his hand on his forehead and said, I will. I feel like Jesus is putting his hand on the forehead of our generation, and boy, does it need it. And uh, so charity starts in the home, and God's love is instilled and imparted into us. And I'm going to talk more about this tomorrow with my wife, but I've been on this series, so we're going to go right back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 4 through 8, and if you um, indulge me, we can read it out loud together. This is the New American Standard translation. It's the one I study. And uh, you, whatever, you know, you've got a lot of Bibles out there, New, New King James, King James Version. Uh, you know, it just goes on and on. There's so many good ones. Ready? Let's read. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Can I hear a hallelujah? Breathtaking little paragraph right there. So insightful. Uh, love is, is this battering ram to so much harshness in the world. And, um, you know, I, wanna, I wanted to 
just start with a prayer. Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, we'll read verse, uh, let's see, 16, 17. Let's see, I'll look at, uh, we'll, we'll pray, yeah, let's, let's go with Paul the Apostle in verse 14. He said, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now we've got flags up in the ceiling. The U.S. State Department has determined the criteria for a grouping of people. They're self-governing. There's certain criteria. So we did the best we could. They're never going to be a full agreement because there are conflicts amongst nations. Some don't acknowledge other nations. For example, Serbia doesn't acknowledge the sovereignty of Kosovo. So, so there's that. But we've put these up in the ceiling for years now because we're to be a house of prayer for the nations. And in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 19, love should be impartial. And it says, so show your love for the alien, for you are aliens in the land of Egypt. So this, this verse right here, mule kicks racism right in the teeth. Because it says, it says um, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So every people group, every ethnicity, the, uh, the folks up north in Iceland, people in Bolivia, the folks over in Ghana, you know, the people in Vietnam, uh, the, the, we all emanate out of Adam and Eve. Uh, you know, so that, that's that. And uh, we've got people theorizing about ancient aliens. Kurt Von Danigan came up 50 years ago with the, the chariots of the gods and so forth, and people have fixated on that. Uh, I believe in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I'm a Bible believer. I believe in one true God who sent his son on a rescue mission, and he loves the whole world. And one of the cool songs I learned back when I was a little kid, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. And I got that when I was a kid, you know, and I grew up in a home on the Pacific Rim, you know, just I was closer to Mexico than uh, we are to the arch right here. So I grew up with a very uh, eclectic uh, expression of, uh, of diversity and uh, under a dad that was not a, a bigot, which was good. So, uh, and then when I became a Christian, all the more understanding that God loves everybody. Right? So show your love for the alien for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. And I think um, in Kosovo during the conflict, weren't the gypsies sort of along the lines with the Serbians? But yet when, when it all broke down, then the Kosovars and the, the, the gypsies connected together. And our church there has a lot of folks from the, from the Romani or gypsy background. Somebody corrected me that it's, it's, it's a politically incorrect to call them gypsies and they're supposed to be called Romanis. So it's like, well, well, what's it going to be next, you know, because they like to be called gypsies. So it's like, you know, the, it, it's, I guess, just the very point. I'm touching a, a hot point, and uh, it just underscores the need for me to teach on the love walk because, uh, you know, the, the, there's, there's, there's accusation thrown out for just normal observation. Well, that's microaggression if you notice the difference of the color of my pigment. How dare you? Well, you dare that because God gave you eyes and you could distinguish that, right? 
Now, if you get brutish and dismissive and hateful, that's a terrible thing. And so this is where we pray, and this is what we're believing God for. And it says, uh, in whom the whole family in heaven and earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now listen to this. So that you will be rooted and grounded in love. God wants Jesus to be central in our hearts. And what will happen as an outcome of Jesus taking occupancy in our heart is we will become rooted and grounded in love. I read an article in People Magazine. People Magazine is a, an outgrowth of Time Magazine. It used to be a segment in Time, and then it became a thing. And because of, of its popularity, it became its own magazine. I was really intrigued as a Christian that a former grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan was sitting on a couch with an African-American woman, uh, like a mother age bracket, mother type, and they were reading the Bible together. And they were sitting, you know, shoulder to shoulder, and they were reading the Bible. And the whole story was how this young man got delivered from hate and how coincidentally God used this relationship to foster change in his life. And it was one of the better articles I ever read out of that superficial magazine, or, or magazine that dealt with so many superficial uh, celebrity-type-oriented things and gossip-oriented things. Sometimes, occasionally, they'll go deep, and that was a deep one. And um, so we need to show love, not patronizing, you know, not like, you know, like people think that if somebody speaks a different language and you talk loud and slow at them and bend over that they're going to be able to understand them. That's weird, man. We can't do that. We've got to learn to be somewhat elegant as we go forth. You know, listen, on the day of Pentecost, they counted about 70 nations that gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate uh, the, the, the feast of, uh, of Pentecost. And there, there were gathered from every nation, you know, and, and at that point, all the people had migrated back and um, they all heard the gospel in their own language. And uh, I will tell you, that was from the, the, that was the original, the initial purpose of tongues. And now it's, you know, there, there's, there are other applications for tongues, are very practical, about prayer and things like that. But God wants the voicing of our lives and the engagement of our contacts to be loving. Thank you for that amen. You say, Pastor Jeff, we know that. That's you're restating the obvious. That's what I'm assigned to do. I'm stirring up your sincere minds by way of reminder. But boy, doesn't this hour demand some reminder on this? And so we're praying that we'll be rooted and grounded in love, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints, it says in verse 18, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. See, this is part of why I'm preaching this, because it's past, it surpasses knowledge, and we're, we're trying to know something that surpasses knowledge, and we can do that. We, we can have revelation knowledge. The eyes of our understanding can be enlightened. 
It can dawn on us. I think it must have dawned on that young man that uh, was uh, in the Ku Klux Klan that was, uh, was hateful, you know, had that race bias and got his life changed by Jesus and it changed his thinking. Well, who knows what he was brought up in? Who knows what, you know, formed his opinion? But then he, he comes and he hears the gospel and the gospel uh, changes the dynamics of the way he thinks. Hallelujah. There's hope for the, the when, when, look, when David Wilkerson went to New York City in the 1950s and there were the street gangs of New York, um, you know, they, it was a scary, volatile, somewhat violent-oriented culture. And here's this, you know, spirit-filled pastor going into this environment and, um, he had, a good, he had good results. He had, a, he had revival there. The church is still there. It's still there on Times Square. I just talked to a mother whose son walks by it and asked me about it. I visited. It's a great church. And um, because it's a great God that, that church is representing, it's a great Savior. It's a great, it's a great truth. And um, this is really the proof of our discipleship. Uh, John 13, 35, let it be burnished into your consciousness. John 13, 35 says, this is how people are going to get the gospel today. This is how all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. So Pastor Patsy and I aspire in this local church, in our case, that we be a loving environment. And... Um, we were in a restaurant the other day uh, that we enjoy here locally, and uh, the manager had a seizure. They discovered it was prompted by a serious brain tumor. has a big technical name. He had his head opened up, and he, had a, he was out of work for about a year. And uh, he came and sat by us and uh, had tears in his eyes of appreciation that he was still alive, you know. And I looked at him, and I told him that we loved him. And I said, I know that's kind of weird, and, uh, but I told him anyway. And he looked at me, and he, and, you know, and, and what did that mean? We care about you. We've been praying for you. We're, we're grateful you're still alive for your two young kids or not even out of high school, you know, young wife kind of thing. Um, we just had a moment. And, uh, you know, we're there just having a salad, but then no, then all of a sudden there's this moment, you know. And I'm preaching this because the Lord Jesus is framing your life for moments. He wants to utilize your availability, and he wants you to be informed with what he's downloaded in you. Romans chapter 5, verse 5, says something so specific about this. It's like a funnel over your head, and it says, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. John 4, he talked to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, about water. And then again in 737, at the great day of the feast, he said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. I said, when you believe in him, 
as the scripture says, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Don't you love that phrase? I drove by the, Missis- the Missouri River today and I watch, always watch the water levels. It looks like it's up a little bit from the rain. And we had to divert and come plumb smack dab in the middle of this room. It filled this whole valley because in fact this valley was a floodplain before people decided to develop it. And uh, we had 10 feet of water in this building. And um, there was a prophetic word from uh, Donna Shelton, Pastor Rick Shelton's wife, about how wherever the river went, the rivers of God would go. And I thought, well, I'll take that and amen to that. Because there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. God is in the midst of that river. God is in the midst of the city of God. And God is in the midst of you and me. And, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. Get back to the article in People magazine. The picture was beautiful. Guy with these sort of racist tattoos on his arms. Here's this woman sitting there, and they're just, they're just, and the story was just well written. Uh, but it just, under, and I, I went in with my bias of, I know you could become a new creation in Jesus. That God could take you from being hardened and he could soften you. He'd take you out of confusion and give you clarity. He could take you out of sin patterns and make you righteous, right? He can bring you out of depression and bring you joy. Because if anyone is in Christ, come on, he or she, you and I, we are a new creation. And the old things pass away. And behold, new things come. This will help us with our hurts, because boy, don't we have them. The Bible says it's inevitable offenses will come. Jesus said, but woe is he who causes the stumbling. It's better to have a millstone around your neck thrown into the ocean. That's like those concrete shoes, that overshoes that the the gangsters would put and then dump them in the river. Uh, That's not cool. Um, So we don't want to be a stumbling block, and we want to figure out for the rest of our life because we can't do anything over from the past going from here on how can we uh, incorporate the love walk more efficiently more credibly not obnoxiously no manipulation no sappy syrupy stuff but a sincere love a sincere love in fact it says in Romans 12 9 Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. So, you know, hypocrisy is operating from behind a mask. And it's like the Dana Carvey characterization of the church lady on Saturday Night Live back in the sweet spot. uh, Well, isn't that precious? You know, it was just a creepy, schmarmy, you know, who... The church lady, I don't know any church lady like that. Um, you know, he, he did a good job of being, you know, a, a parody of it. But none of us want to be a caricature. None of us want to be a parody. Life's too short. Like Jesus said, Peter, do you love me more than these? He pointed to the fishing boats and the nets, his colleagues. He said, you know, I do, Lord. He said, tend my lambs and feed my sheep. Asked him three times. And I believe the Lord is asking his church, because this is how all men are going to know 
that we're his disciples. Uh, if we're loving each other and uh, brotherly love is to abound, 1 Thessalonians 3.12, 1 Thessalonians 3.12 uh, says, and may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another. So I am preaching in order that this quotient will increase and abound. I want my love relationship with my wife to increase and abound over the years. I don't want it to decrease and decline, Right? I want my, my love for my kids to mature and develop as we go and not get cold. And the Bible says because wickedness is increased in the end times, many people's love will grow cold. So this is an opportunity for the church. If you marry that idea with John 3, or 13, 35, this is how all men are going to know that we're his disciples if we really love each other. So early in my Christian walk, I heard... Uh, a South African preacher named David Duplessis, and he spoke, it was just right, he died just shortly after, so I'm this young, young man, and I hear this elderly man, and it's, he, you know, and we overlapped, and it was as though a baton was passed of his ideal of uh, respect for and love and honor for the body of Christ. It really got in me. I didn't even know what was happening to me. Um, you know, I was just such a new, young believer, and I was hungry and thirsty for God. I wasn't at church for social reasons I didn't, because I didn't know anybody. I didn't know they had programs or, or events or activities. I didn't know. I was just there to worship God and hear the teaching and be in that environment. And uh, so here comes this particular guest speaker. And um, he talked about a potential um, move of God in the end that... Uh, a British minister named, uh, that's famous in the spirit-filled movement, Smith Wigglesworth, grabbed him and prayed over him in the 1930s and said there will be a great move of God in, 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 in coming up. And I believe Duplessis saw an aspect of that with the, uh, what, uh, what was called a healing revival in the 1950s. There was an emergence of people like Catherine Coleman, Billy Graham, uh, Dr. Bill Bright, they all kind of came up. Bill Bright was a pioneer with evangelism with uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. I even read that uh, Tom Hanks was involved with that when he was a young man. Uh, Coleman, you know, was impactful. Uh, what was that guy that, that uh, Texas Hold'em cowboy hat wearing, 90-something-year-old uh, poker champion Doyle uh, Brunson? Uh, I think he got healed under her ministry. And uh, <laughs> so I'm quoting People Magazine and Doyle Brunson in this service, so pay attention. I'm going back to the scriptures because uh, God wants our love to increase and abound. And uh, not to let our love grow cold, not to let a, a, a root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. You ever been tempted to be resentful? I have. I remember a minister, I read it in a magazine when I was maybe 19 or 20, 21, about the prison of resentment, the prison of resentment. And uh, that resentment is a trap. And it gets on us and it just self-justifies. And we could get in the toxicity of it 
and then we could hold unforgiveness toward people. And I read in a, a, a book that um, holding unforgiveness towards somebody is like drinking poison and expecting it to kill them. And uh, so I believe God wants to deliver us and heal us before the service while we were worshiping. I'm aware, you know, I, I, I need the healer to keep me healed. We need, the, we need the healer. As we were singing that song, I loved it that it wasn't full of unbelief, like we're praying for something, you know, and pleading with God to give us something he's already provided. It really was, a, you're the God that never changes, and we believe, and you did it then, you'll do it now. That God is my God, right? And that's, I want to sing, I want to sing sound doctrine in the hymns and the choruses and the worship that we sing. Because uh, we have that one shot at it, and we might as well build our faith, right? We're, of course, not denying the reality of the challenges because the Bible teaches clearly that we're fighting the good fight of faith. But I'm telling you, the biggest mastery is the love walk. Everybody say, I'm walking in love. You know, in, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, do you? And it says, uh, because we're sealed by him to the day of redemption. He's very important. He, you don't want to grieve him or quench him or hinder his work. And it says in verse 31 of chapter 4 of Ephesians, uh, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Let all, uh, Ephesians 4, 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Paul's trying to get something over to us, along with all malice. Um, be kind to one another, uh, tenderhearted, not hard-hearted, tenderhearted, be kind, not mean. It doesn't say be mean to one another, hard-hearted. It says be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Doesn't saying resent, doesn't say be resentful. It says forgiving each other. Just, and this is the church. He's saying, do work this out amongst yourselves. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. You know how much God in Christ has forgiven us? <laughs> yeah. Therefore, be imitators of God, and it's right in the context of the love walk, as beloved children. We are loved by God. We are the objects of his affection, are we not? And so as such, it says walk in love. Walk in love. So I think about Deuteronomy, show your love for the alien. Uh, I celebrate the nations. I, I love interacting. I spoke to a gentleman from Lebanon the other day, and uh, he speaks like five languages. He speaks French, Italian, he speaks Arabic, he speaks uh, English, he speaks one or two other languages. Big, big, tall man, laughing, robust guy. He said, I've lived in a lot of places, and he said, um, before I moved here and immigrated here, my friends told me that um, people in the Midwest were conservative and were, 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 were harsh or were, were, he said, they were preparing him. He said, people are so kind here. People are so nice here. 
And I said, well, part of it is because you're being kind and you're being nice and you're, you're getting what you're sowing. Well, yeah, he said, yeah, but he said, I, this is our home. He goes, I go, to other, I go back to my former places where I lived and, I, this, is, and I'm, this is my home, right? And uh, it was interesting because he was saying, you know, I was warned and it was better than I expected. But I think made so, again, like, because he's, <laughs> he, he's loving. And like what Steve said in the offering, by your standard of measure, it'll be measured to you and more will be given besides. So this is why in the development of our recreated human spirit, um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, if we walk in these things, Church will be as famous as Chick-fil-A. Wouldn't that be something? Where they go, my pleasure. You know? And uh, you want fries with that? It's pretty sweet, you know? And that's true at Kathy. That was the culture of the kingdom. He was bringing Christian principles because he was, that was what informed him. That was his business model. Sam Walton, you know, he just said we, we, had, we didn't really know how big this would get. We just knew it would be good if we treated our customers right and we treated our, our staff right. So that's a big deal. That's a bigger deal coming out of a pandemic and the shutdown and in this season we're in as a church. I talked to another minister friend we've known for many years. I said... Um, Nobody's ever pastored in a situation quite like this. Maybe right after the Spanish flu 100 years ago, certainly through pockets and places, and even now there are different and worse situations. But in our case in the West and North America, this has been an interesting season for all of us. And part of the outcome for the church is the, the Lord is rallying us back to these essentials and that he wants us to be rooted and grounded in love so that God will cause us to increase and abound in love uh, for one another and for all men. 1 Thessalonians 3.12. For one another, charity starts at the home, and for all men. So I, I reckon it's, it's a force that when acted on, can assuage evil. It's most like God because 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. The one that does not know God does not, or does not walk in love doesn't know God. Let's see verse 4. The one who does not love does not know God. Say it with me. For God is love. I sensed a loving tone in C.S. Lewis in his speeches, in the tone of his books. It was loving and kind. He wasn't, I mean, I've turned on the radio and I've heard people that just, it's, they're just angry. Angry. Christian radio. Angry. And um, Bible says be angry, but sin not. I mean, we, the, you know, the, the greatest First Corinthians 13, 13, um, faith, hope, and love are all going to abide perpetually throughout eternity. 
but the greatest of it will be love. And um, the reason I'm preaching this is Galatians 5, 6 says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, which it really did prior to Christ. It was a definer with a covenant or not a covenant. That's why David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would taunt the armies of the living God? It, it was a big thing. And then Paul says, now it means nothing, but faith working through love means everything. A new creation means everything. Um, Colossians 3, Colossians 3. This, this is what we'll close with because we're going to have a meeting in 10 minutes and, and uh, I want to give you time to fellowship and hang out. You guys have room to hear uh, uh, just a little bit more? You guys hungry for the word? Okay, so let's look at verse 12. Let's look at verse 12. Well, it says, put on the new self. And, and in, in verse 10, it says, um, and, and it, which is being renewed to a, in a true knowledge, to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. That's what's happening to us. That's what happened to the former grand dragon of the KKK and the elegant woman that was taking time to disciple him, knowing that he had been a hater. And now she's saying, let me introduce you to somebody that'll really set you free. Oh boy, that was a good article. Maybe you ought to Google it, see if you can find it. Maybe print one out for me. It's, it was years ago. It was a beautiful article. Uh, but it says, um, it says a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew. Here's another mule kick to the racist issue. Circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, also socioeconomic, slave or free man. But Christ is all and in all. It's all about Jesus, Right? So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Did you hear that? Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Do you hear that? Everybody say, walk in love. Walk in love. See, this is hard stuff, but you got to hold to it. It's so important. And then what does it say in verse uh, 14? Did I, go, did I stop at 13? Beyond all these things, put on love. Did I say that already? Yes. Thank you. It's going to be interesting tomorrow. See what I mean? Beyond all these things, put on love. Did you just read that? Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. It's a perfect bond of unity. Uh, so we need to have some resolve in our own interior and receive some healing and, and just kind of resolve to be forgiving. Like where it's like, God, if we have ought against any, we forgive them, right? 
How, how many of you have ever had to forgive yourself? I have. I have. And I've said this, and I, I, I mean it. The, the sin I hate the most in the world is my sin. Because that's disappointing to God, and I don't have any business with anybody else's, but with mine, I want to humble myself and stay repentant and stay, you know, valuing the blood of Jesus and appreciating the new creation and, uh, not, you know, endeavoring not to be a practitioner of sin. You know, realizing that, you know, when you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, according to 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Aren't you thankful? The mediator between God and man is the man Christ Jesus. But, and then my daughter sent this to me in the Amplified. So I want to read this uh, in verse, uh, verse 14 and 15 in the uh, Amplified. And I said I was going to finish, but now the Amplified is three times longer. So the Amplified Bible is, is, is full of synonyms. It's really pretty cool. I preached it at a Baptist college. They got all the, uh, profess, some of the professors got upset, they got upset about the translation. And then I thought, come on, man. <laughs> anyway, um, so I don't know. They're trying to pull up the Amplified translation. But when we get to it, it's going to be loud. No, I meant uh, uh, Colossians. Did I say First John? I meant Colossians. Did I say Colossians chapter 3, verse uh, 13, 14, 15? So we'll just put the people on the computer on, under. On, thank you, guys. Love you. Love you. Okay. Uh, be gentle and forbearing with one another. If one has a difference, a grievance or a complaint against another, readily pardoning each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so must you also forgive. And above all these things, put on love and enfold yourselves with the bond of perfectness, which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. You know, I got to see... One of my grandkids today is named Harmony uh, Kingston and, and Maddie's little girl, Harmony. Uh, Harmony is a, is, is a wonderful thing. It's what the Beach Boys were famous for. Beatles picked it up. Uh, the Everly Brothers, and yet they were at odds as siblings. Now, it's sad. You hear their amazing, rich voice a blend, and then knowing in the backdrop they're full of strife. That, that ought not be. It certainly ought, that is the devil. It certainly ought not be the case with the church, right? Let's continue. I want to read verse 15. It says, and let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ's rule, at, uh, at, and act as an umpire continually in your hearts, Deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state to which as members of Christ one body you were also called to live and be thankful. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I'm going to call the musicians back up. So we're going to finish with the song. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, 
singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And all God's people said, let's all stand up on our feet. Everybody say, I'm walking in love. See, when we stand praying, Mark chapter 11, verse 25 tells us we're to forgive. So I will, I will warn you, harboring resentment and carrying ill will and becoming bitter can really cause some problems. It'll hinder the anointing, it'll grieve the Holy Spirit, and it'll harden your heart. You do not want to have a hardened heart, you, no matter what people have done to you. It says whatever they've done, whatever the offense. And we've got, we've got to labor. Think about how off-putting those initial contacts would have been, the African-American woman with the former Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. What they, what, the polarity of that. Think about that moment. But Jesus brought them together? That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. The church, we're to model this, and we can do it.